Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, August the 25th of 2020. And as always, we are so delighted to have each and every one of you join us today. As always, uh, we thank the Lord that you can take some time out of your time to study the Word of God together. We have been in a very uh, interesting a journey as we've been studying uh, the last few podcasts on the book of Jeremiah. And as I said yesterday, I don't think it's a coincidence that God has us in this time uh, to go and see what was taking place in the days of Jeremiah. And as we have begun to glean from what's happened there, we are seeing such a parallel of our days that we are living today. So I'm excited. Yesterday, we started with a powerful study, uh, Monday yesterday, the beginning of our week. And I know that we're going to go deeper and deeper into the Word of God. So I'm excited, and we want to give as much time to the study of the Word. Today, joining us in our panel is Brother Marty, Brother Fernando. And as always, it is a privilege and an honor to study the Word of God together. So Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you as we continue in this journey to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. We're looking forward to today's study as we continue to explore the the great parallels that we're seeing uh, during the time of Jeremiah, uh, Judah, the nation of of Judah and Jerusalem, uh, and uh, the ultimate uh, judgment that, that fell upon them as a people. And so in in those studies, we have been seeing uh, incredible patterns and parallels transpiring as we're we're exploring answers uh, for what it is that we're actually going through in the world today. And we believe that we see prophetic patterns in more than just the pattern. Uh, we believe that prophetic scriptures are beginning to be fulfilled again. And it is it is vital that we examine the prophets and the holy apostles in their writings specifically concerning the last days and the end times in order for us to glean, glean information uh, that we need as, as families, as, as communities uh, in, in the church, so that we might nav- navigate ourselves through these, these crazy times we find ourselves living in. And so yesterday we, be, we began an overview and, and we came to chapter 29, uh, where after this great conflict that had taken place between the two national prophets uh, in the college of the priests and the prophets in the very courtyards of the temple of God in Jerusalem, between prophet Jeremiah and prophet Hananiah. Um, Hananiah would die within that year, and and we've talked about that, might touch a little bit on that today, but uh, nonetheless, his ministry came to an end. And, And as a result, really what the conflict was over what they were actually arguing about in that particular case, which you can read if in case you're just joining us in Jeremiah chapter 28. And by the way, we encourage you as always to have your Bibles with us, with, that, with you uh, to follow along in what we're talking about. But in Jeremiah 28, that account is given of this great conflict between the two prophets and, and what the actual uh, understanding of what was transpiring in their times and they they went back and forth, uh, you know, the, with two different words, and so it came to this particular head, and the two prophets uh, debated with each other in front of hundreds and quite possibly a few thousand 
false prophets and priests and many, many people that were gathered in the temple. They were seeking understanding for their times. And they were seeking to understand what it was that was actually happening. Uh, this, this, uh, this changing of the times, this, this most tumultuous historic time for them, which would ultimately culminate uh, with the, the, the final judgment that would fall upon them after years of the prophets warning them. And so prior to that, though, uh, in the midst of it, which basically transpired over a short period of time, a 22-year period, really, um, they came to a head. And Jeremiah and Hananiah, uh, Hananiah confronted Jeremiah, and Hananiah went so far in his confrontation of, of Jeremiah that the Lord would have Jeremiah pronounce uh, a judgment upon his own life. And indeed, he would die within a few short months after that confrontation. And when that happened, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about later, uh, it sent shockwaves throughout the nation, as well as those who had been taken captive uh, earlier uh, when Nebuchadnezzar came down under the uh, the rule of, of uh, someone by the name or the king by the name of uh, Jeconiah, who ruled for approximately three three months and ten days. And Nebuchadnezzar removed him from power and took captive thousands of the elite uh, uh, rulers of, of, of Judah, uh, along with their, their scribes, their elders, and, and a host of, of individual families and peoples, and, and took them all the way to Babylon, captive, leaving behind a new administration under the rulership of, of the puppet king appointed by Nebuchadnezzar, um, King Zedekiah. And so this turmoil that began to foment under the under these conditions uh, thoroughly affected the psyche of the people, and they were now a nation that had been uh, separated. You had a whole group of the nation up in Babylon, and then you had a group that yet remained. And for about five years after that event, uh, there were many many uh, things transpiring taking place. But amongst them was the rise of many, many false prophets, and that that led ultimately in the approximately fifth year of this of this uh, competing uh, philosophy and 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 seeking of understanding of what was actually happening. It came to a head in that contest between Hananiah and Jeremiah, and so Hananiah would would suffer the judgment of God. And this sent shockwaves, like we said, throughout the region, throughout the uh, the nation as a whole, and even reaching all the way into the captives. And it was there after Hananiah's death uh, that Jeremiah would write a letter, and he would send it to them by uh, by by the ambassadors uh, that were uh, visiting Babylon, uh, bringing word from Zedekiah to Nebuchadnezzar and, and all the other affairs of state that were going on included in that journey was a letter written by Jeremiah, which was specifically written to the captivity. And that is what we're beginning to explore, because they were seeking answers, and they were seeking understanding for their times. And we believe that that is exactly where we have come to today. The parallels are striking, uh, and, and we, we believe we are witnessing the, the beginning of and the continuing unfolding of uh, the prophecies of the Bible. And so much of what we're talking about today will will uh, will challenge you, uh, and 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 that's a good thing, because bottom line, what we want is that at least 
to inspire whoever is listening to to go to the scriptures and see if the things that we're saying um, are so. Because our foundation, our thesis, uh, and the very reason for why we're talking about what we've been talking about for these last hundred plus podcasts since March is that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And so today we go into part two of a letter from Jeremiah to the captives in Babylon. And I'd like that in uh, with that in mind for Brother Jeremy, to, would you mind uh, reading to us in Jeremiah chapter 29? And we'll take our text today from verse one through four, and we'll see where the Lord leads and, and pray you'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders, which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah the king, and the queen, and the eunuchs, the prince of Judah, and Jerusalem, and the carpenters, and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elasa, oh, Elasa, the son of Shepan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent out unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. That's how the letter begins. The letter is addressed specifically to the captives that had been carried away from Jerusalem. And so by the grace of the Lord, we want to continue to look at what he is trying to say to them, because it is, in my opinion, and I think my brothers would concur, and again, brothers always jump in anytime the Lord or you, uh, the Lord inspires you to, to, to want to contribute to the conversation, um, jump in at any time. Uh, what we're endeavoring to do is to seek understanding for the times that we're living in. And so, again, like we said, we continue today looking at the historic and prophetic parallels that we believe can be seen in the history of Judah, Jerusalem, and the judgment that came upon them eventually uh, resulting in the complete destruction of their nation, their temple, and uh, upon the people who rebelled against what was actually transpiring in their time. So uh, in exploring these matters, we believe that the Holy Spirit has begun to reveal not only the parallels, but also the necessary understanding and instruction that, that is needed for the discerning in the body of Christ in our times, and specifically here in our nation, the United States of America, what quite possibly is actually taking place and is yet to be unfolded. A lot is happening. And uh, really, since the beginning of 2020, what's unfolded around the world and in America is a completely new reality. See, that's what happened to them. This is a great people. These these were and are still the chosen people of God. They were brought out of slavery in Egypt. God selected them and chose to reveal himself to them, delivering them by the hand of Moses. Moses in Deuteronomy would talk to them even way back then and 
and remind them just before they were about to go into the promised land that no other people on the face of the planet, no other nation had had the greatest of honors, and that was that God himself, the creator of all things, who delivered them from slavery in order to keep the covenant promises he had made with their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He came down onto Mount Sinai in the wilderness, and the Bible describes there, and you, you can read those of you who, who know your Bibles and those of you who don't uh, in Exodus and Deuteronomy and all those places in there, um, how God came down and shook the mountain by his very presence. And it says that the sound of the appearance of God into the natural world to reveal himself to his people, it said that the trumpets, there was sounds like trumpets and there was lightnings and clouds and, and fire that settled down upon Mount Sinai, and he began to speak to the people. And Moses told them, you know, no other nation on the face of the earth has ever had God uh, reveal himself to them as he's revealed it himself to you. You heard his voice. That's incredible. If you remember your Bible, it says that when they actually heard the voice of God, it frightened them so greatly that they told Moses, you go talk to him, you know, right. And, 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 right? And you let him tell you what he wants to tell us. Because if we keep hearing his voice, they said, we're going to die. This is the almighty God. See, it's been, we're so far removed from those uh, historic accounts in the scripture in this modern day world in which we find ourselves that we really have a tendency to forget exactly why is it that God came down so hard on these people? Why he allowed them to be judged in such a great way? And, and, and at least one of the aspects of why he allowed them to be scattered to the four corners of the world after the A.D. 70 destruction of Jerusalem uh, in, in, uh, by the Roman army uh, after the crucifixion and resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forty years later, they would be judged. And, 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 and as it was in this time with Jeremiah, the captivity that took place, and then several years after that, the ultimate destruction of, of Jerusalem and its temples and its walls and, and its people suffering greatly. And, and people don't really understand why that level of, of judgment was allowed to come down. Is God just some, you know, mean ogre who just, <laughs> you know, who, who's just mean. If you don't do what he says, you know, you're in for it, right? I mean, but that's not it. You know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that the people themselves were the greatest, blessed, most enlightened people on the planet. They had the oracles of God, the prophets of God, the blessings of God. Their whole nation was born out of a covenant with God. That's what made them different than all the nations around them. And that's why the standard of accountability was greater upon them than any nation before them or since, really, up until, I believe, we reached Christianity in the West and the great emerging empires that, that came out of that. You know, whether it's the British Empire or, or subsequently where the power of Judeo-Christian society came uh, to rest upon the shores of what became the United States of America and why we see the parallels. Because no other people has been blessed to this extent. No other nation on the planet has been blessed to the same extent as the United States of America has been blessed. And it wasn't because of our, our vaunted uh, educational system or our, our great sages 
or or a host of other you know list of things that we could lay out as as reasons for why we're so blessed the truth is is that we were blessed because we had individuals who crossed the ocean came here and planted the 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 cross on the shores of Virginia Beach Virginia and declared this country this land a land dedicated to the worship and service of almighty god even to the extent that once we reached the 1700s as we began to form as a nation emerging from the revolution the american revolution where we we threw down uh, you know the british empire and king george i think was his name uh and we became a nation against all odds you know uh, you know in spite of the revisionist history that we now have uh, currently being propagated on the airwaves and in every platform of social media and, and all the uh, backslidden universities of our country that have corrupted the minds of our children in spite of all that the truth of the matter is is that our history has its roots its origins and its blessings in a group of people who gathered together and called upon deity and providence to bless this nation. And in turn, the greatest constitution, the greatest framework of a republic was handed down to these men. And it has stood the test of time up until our days. Unfortunately, now we're beginning to see cracks in its foundations, bigger than cracks, crevices have occurred. And it's been a systematic, uh, you know, deconstruction of what was once uh, the framework of a great society. And our founding fathers knew, even in their speeches, their prayers that are publicly recorded, that if America ceased to be a God-fearing nation, then America itself would cease to be. And, and, and that is why we see the parallels between what happened to Judah and what is now happening currently in the United States. And that's why we say that since the beginning of 2020, what has unfolded around the world and in America is a completely new reality, just as it was for Judah. See, they had been used to, to the blessings. They had generation after generation distance itself uh, by the mere, you know, uh, ticking of the, of the hands of time. You know, distance and time from origination has a way if it's not kept before the faces and the ears and the hearts and the minds of, of every generation from generation to generation, it begins to stray away from its founding and, uh, and, and solid foundational principles, not only of morality, but in, in, in every aspect of society that causes it to be in a position to receive the blessing of God. But once it begins to go away from that, and that's why God was so emphatic in the beginning of, of, of the nation of Israel, he, he commanded them. He said, listen, when you have children, he says, you teach your children from the time that you get up to the, till the noonday to the, to, to the evening. And when you lay down in bed, that the name of the Lord is to be spoken of. And you need to teach your children the way that they should go. And if you fail to do that, what you end up having is what ended up having, happening, which is a slow social uh, decline, cultural decline founded upon the tenets of the faith of Almighty God. That's what made them unique. That's what made them different. But it's also what brought incredible retribution after an elongated period of, of, of great grace and mercy uh, that had been extended to them as a nation and that God had sent his prophets early to them, warning them, even at the, at the very beginning, at the, at the most what would seem to be innocuous sliding backslidings away they became the seeds that would flourish into a culture that thought nothing of coming into the very house of god living in a completely compromised way with false prophets and priests 
and and an absolute uh, non-respect for the very God who had blessed their forefathers. They felt no conviction. They felt no sense of responsibility to conduct themselves in a way in which their forefathers had. And so God would send prophets to them. So what happened to them did not happen to them overnight. What happened to them happened to them as a result of a continual disregard and an inability to properly discern that God was speaking through the prophets. Either they didn't care or they became so hard that it just didn't really matter. And that's what brought them to this point. And so just like <laughs> them, we have emerged into a new reality. And to some, it's really come out of nowhere, right? I mean, it seems like, oh, my God, what happened? But in the truth, however, it has been coming for years. And only now is it beginning to be seen, to be made apparent, being brought into the public square. And yet it's still not fully understand, you know. <laughs> but this is, my, in my opinion, this was the case with Judah in their times. Because what happened to them, uh, it turned their whole reality upside down. It was right. their day, right? It was their day of reckoning. Mm -hmm. But they had yet to understand that it was their day of reckoning. <laughs> and I think that a day of reckoning has come to this country. And even though we have seen so much, as much as we have seen, and I'm talking and we're addressing the Judeo-Christian church in this country, uh, they, they don't really understand what's happening yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like Judah of old, uh, today there is yet to be seen an understanding amongst the people of God in our nation and, and, and what is actually happening. People don't really get what's actually happening. Oh, there are out there. You know, we, we, we know that, that God is faithful and has people that are beginning to understand. But, but like then, you know, they had so many opinions when all this was happening to them. Many voices, right. right? You know, Brother Marty, uh, that's, you know, it keeps resonating in my spirit what you're saying and what you have been saying is this is a new reality. And yeah. it, it's taking some, it's taken a while for a lot of us to, to really swallow and really analyze that this is a new reality. And the fact is that we're not used to this you know, here in America. Yes. But it doesn't mean that it's never happened in history before. And right. that's why I believe that the Lord, uh, Brother Marty, has us studying, you know, like this book of Jeremiah, because we need to know, because we're saying, so what do we do now? That's why we're gleaning to the word of God. Because it's the only way, if we learn from this, it's the only way that we're going to be able to navigate in this hour as it was in the days of Jeremiah. You know, that new reality to accept that captivity was coming, was there. It was hard to swallow for most people, as you said, because there was a contending, two contending voices, right? And, yeah. and the majority were leaning towards the voice of um, Hananiah, you know? And, but, but, but you're right. You know, it, it takes a while sometimes uh, for things to really sink in. You know, we began just in March. You know, many of us thought, okay, in two weeks, things will be back to normal. I'll go back to work. <laughs> we'll go back to our church services. And here uh -huh. we are, six, eight months. And I think people right now are just beginning. 
we're just beginning to to say uh, maybe uh, this really is a new reality in our nation, and I and I believe that's why, because there is a lot of voices and a lot of opinions, but we have to know what the Word of God says, and when we have the answers there, that if we pay attention, it's going to help us how to navigate in this hour of what is coming upon this world. But you know, wanted to share that, Brother Marty. No, that's very good, and 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 that's exactly what you're saying right there. Uh, it, it, just to go back and learn from the historical scriptures that we're looking at, because has this happened before? Yes, it has. Has it happened mm-hmm. to a distinguished nation that claimed to be uh, the people of God? Yes, it has. Yes. Is it happening mm-hmm. again? Yes, it is. And that is the issue, really. I mean, is it happening again? And can we see? the parallels of it understand this we've been we've been commanded by the word of god now if you're not in the word of god then it won't make sense to you but if 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 you're really uh paying attention it should at least draw you to the word of god and have you search the scriptures to see can we see parallels for our time you know what's interesting to me and i was thinking about that this morning brother jeremy you made me think of that as you were speaking there uh is that what made it unusual and different is what we read a, a few days ago where Jeremiah described that that generation as the generation that would experience the wrath of God, that the wrath of God would be poured out on one generation, which reveals to us that no matter what other generations were like, when you think they were bad, well, they could get worse, right? And that time begins to, to unfold until it fully flourishes, like Brother Fernando was talking about a few podcasts ago, this cycle of of prophetic pattern. It starts as a small circle that comes back around, and each time it comes back around, it gets bigger and bigger until it reaches the fullness of its expression, and that's when prophetic scripture comes to pass. And so that's what we're seeing here in this story, and I think that's what makes it unique and what is what is unique to our times as well. And like you said, there are many opinions right now. There's many uh, voices out there, but our attention and our focus is concerning the church in this country, in the United States. Right. You know, many, like you were saying, like many have risen up, like in Judah's day, right? In this time that we're looking at in Jeremiah's day, many have risen up in the church claiming to speak for God in the midst of all this. Right. You know, they're just rambling on and on, prophesying about great victories just ahead, of great awakenings and revivals of dreams and visions and ad infinitum, man. I mean, that's what they're saying. And yet with all that bluster, and this is an important point, still there is no soundness in what is being said by them. And why do I say that? Because because there's a glaring absence of the word of God that they point to to validate what they say. They don't right? They don't quote the scripture. They don't they don't take you to the scripture. They don't quote from the Bible, and that is precisely because they have no light. You know, Jeremiah yes. the prophet, he wasn't that way in his time. Remember, you were talking about Hananiah on that great day when the when the national prophet Hananiah attacked Jeremiah for the word he was preaching, right. which word was completely radical because it was so counterculture, counter church culture, 
so counterculture to the prevailing uh, false prophets of the day who were continuing in the midst of all that was falling around, falling down around them. They kept telling everybody, hey, we're, this is, you know, we're having this great awakening. We're having this great revival. The vessels that have been taken captive in the captivity are about to come back, you know, all and on and on and on. And Jeremiah responded to his attacks, you know, of his day by revealing that what he was preaching had its source in the word of Almighty God and in the prophets of old, unlike Hananiah, who spoke a word with no scriptural basis. All he did was imagine the thing or have a vision of his own making. And that's what Jeremiah called him out on. Would you turn there again and read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Yeah, that in chapter 28, verse 8, yeah. right? When he tells them yeah, about the prophets the that have been. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just looking at it. That's good. The And, and that's good because what, what we learned the other day, what you were teaching, Brother Marty, is that uh, he came, he just said, the Lord tell me, but he had no scripture to back it up. Jeremiah, right? right? That's, that's what we're alluding to, what we're saying, says the prophets that have been before me, and before thee of old prophesied, both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. Yeah, and so that's right, you know. And, and so what he was, and keep reading verse nine, because because yeah. then he he's basically what he's saying there in, in verse eight. And again, I know some of you have heard what we're talking about right now before, but it's important that you understand. Yeah and that I understand, and that we understand, so that we can understand how, like Brother Jeremy was saying, do we navigate ourselves in these times? It's not by dream. It's not by imagination. It's not even by reading the newspaper. It's by the Word of God, and that's what Jeremiah was using as the proof of why he came to the conclusions he did as led by the Spirit. Of course, we know, looking back, he's a prophet of God, but he was saying what I'm preaching and what I'm telling you right now, he said, has its basis in the word of God, in the prophets of old. And I'm taking and shaping my message and the discernment that I'm gleaning and garnering and the word that I'm preaching, Hananiah, and all the people that were gathered there that day, has its origins in the scriptures themselves. And then he goes on and talks about contrasting Hananiah's way of preaching. Can you read that in verse 9? The prophet which prophesied of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord had truly sent him. So what he was saying concerning Hananiah was, look, I'm preaching by way of the word of God. I'm drawing my source and inspiration and guidance by the Spirit of God from what has been established and written. I'm also being developed by the Spirit and have come to this place where I'm now prophesying to the nation based completely on how I've seen God truly use prophets. And he says in verse 9, what you're prophesying is an imagination of your own heart, and you can't point to any scripture. And as a matter of fact, we know what his message was, which was completely off. He said, what you're preaching is a great revival. You're preaching that those guys that have been taken captive and all the vessels that were looted out of the house of God, that it's all about to come back. 
and that the king that was dis- de- deposed before Zedekiah became king, uh, <laughs> that he's coming back, Jeconiah, and, and we're going to have this great revival. And he says, and you can't point to any scripture, and neither can you point in, in any way or have any solid foundation to stand upon as to how you arrived at these conclusions. Yeah. Because you can't you can't point to the prophets of old and say, look, this is how God used these men in times of crisis. And, and this is what they prophesied because this is what God showed them. And I'm digging what I'm digging out of the word of God. What about you, Hananiah? You don't have any. And when he called him on the carpet like that, what did he do in verse 10, brother? <laughs> oh, he got upset. And then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. And he broke it. And then he went on to prophesy even further. You know, talking about this, read that in verse 11. He said, oh, really? You know, this is what's going to happen, right? Read it. What did he tell him? And and Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, thus saith the Lord, even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations with the space of two full years, within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. He left. Really, the presence of God left the whole camp meeting. Go ahead, brother. I'm also perceiving that, that, that you know, uh, Hananiah, obviously he said the Lord said it, and, and using the Lord is to grab the attention, you know, like, hey, I've heard from the Lord. But it, what it really was, because look what it says here, he spoke in the presence of all the people. Why does Jeremiah write that, or, or the Holy Spirit had Jeremiah write that? And Because he was looking to appease the people. He was looking to 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 appease the people and and you know and keep his ministry going and and it's the same thing today with the preachers. They what is they are vent on instead of counter uh, counter what do you call that counter uh, counter culture what's the word is it? yeah okay. instead of countering the culture right is that, is that the word. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the culture of today, we are assimilating ourselves to it. And so right. preachers refuse to say anything, number one, because of money, to keep their businesses going, not their ministries, it's their businesses, because that's what they made of it. And these are the Hananias of today who have nothing to say. And everything, right. you know, they're assimilating. All right, let's, let, let's, 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 let's speak for Black Lives Matter. Let's speak. Don't speak judgment. Let's speak love today. You know, God is sending, like you're saying, revival. God is sending a, a there's a new awakening coming. But all it is, is, is to appease the people. You know, yeah. they're afraid. Yes, brother. Well, yeah, and I think, I think, I think there, there are, there's, a, there's some of them that are afraid. But, but, but by and large, again, what you're bringing out a really good point here is Hananiah uh, spoke in the presence of all the people. Now, let's not forget that the people that he was addressing were the people that had been left behind. And so they are really, uh, they that he is a reflection of what, what they were. God will give a nation exactly what that nation wants. Wants. You know, when you read, <laughs> turn over to Isaiah real quick. Take a look at Isaiah, and 
me and you discussed this before, Brother Fernando, uh, what we see in Isaiah. After he has his uh, his great vision of God in the temple, and 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 he he sends the people, he gets his commission to go prophesy to the his people. That's about 150, 200 years away from the point where we're talking about right now in Jeremiah's story. So it started way back then, and then he tells him, uh, "Let's see, read this." Read 9 and 10 to us, would you, Brother Jeremy, chapter 6, 9 and 10? Because listen to what God tells the prophet will be the result of his ministry. It says, and he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. And make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. So check this out. What he's revealing to Isaiah is that is that the result of his ministry is gonna is going to cause the people, because of their rebellion and their inability to truly discern what is actually going to be happening uh that they will not understand and, and they won't really see and they won't really discern what's taking place because of the inability uh to admit to themselves that they need to repent and the result of that is going to be verse 10 that their heart will become fat their ears will become heavy their eyes will become closed spiritually speaking Unless they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, convert and be healed. He's literally saying when it reaches that time, because what what God was revealing to Isaiah here was Jeremiah's time a hundred and something years ahead in the future. Because he goes on to say, because that's when when Isaiah said, I know it's bad. (laughs) You know, we've got Uzziah as king who has been a righteous king in Isaiah's time. But then he does something that's really bad, and he's struck with leprosy, and he leaves the temple. And then God appears to him and tells him this. But when he told him this, he goes, I know it's bad right now, Lord, but what you're describing is something different. And that's why in verse 11, what does he say, Brother Jeremy? He says, then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitants, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And verse 12. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. Wow. So, see, he was prophesying about Jeremiah's time. And later in Jesus' time, he he quotes this scripture and applies it to his generation and subsequently to ours in the future. That is an end-time generation. He says the culmination of generation after generation after generation that will be rejecting the prophetic word of God is going to cause them to become spiritually so blinded, incapable of hearing, and 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 really becoming <laughs> uh, you know sheep for the slaughter, so to speak is because of their utter rejection of the Lord's word. And Jer- and Isaiah, in his time, said, how long is this going to be until it's like that? 
and then he gives a clue. He says, when the cities are wasted, when, when the houses are without man, when the land is, is destroyed or is utterly de desolate, and the Lord has taken the people away, and there's a great forsaking in the land. But then he leaves this promise in verse 13. What is that promise, Brother Jeremy? But yet in it shall be a tent, and it shall return, and it shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. A remnant. He's talking about a remnant there that he was going to protect. And that's what happened with the captivity. It wasn't understood that what was actually happening was a fulfillment of the great prophet Isaiah's words in their day. It wasn't understood by all the fake and compromised prophets, but it was actually coming to pass in their day. And Jeremiah is standing up as a, as a great prophetic megaphone trying to bring light to the situation only to be resisted by powerful religious elite establishment prophet types, Hananiah and the others who made the people even, even more spiritually undiscerning, even in the midst of the fact that in the writings, which is what, what Jeremiah was saying there in, in Jeremiah 28, right? Chapter uh, 28, verse 8, where he said, look, what I'm trying to bring sense to our situation uh, right now of our times, of our prophetic times, it, it has been recorded in the prophets of old. And I'm not trying to preach a message to you that isn't straight out of the word of God. But what you're doing, Hananiah, and what you're doing, false prophets in the United States of America, is, is preaching dreams, visions, what I feel, what I think. But you have no mm -hmm. word. Right? Yeah. You have yeah. no word. Go ahead. I remember, uh, Brother Marty, there was a video uh, that I shared with you of the probably the most prominent preacher, if, if not one of, for sure, top three. Uh, prominent preachers, and, and he was being interviewed by the owner of the biggest Christian network um, television. And yeah. the issue uh, that, that they were talking about was social justice. How should the church approach it? And, and talking back and forth, and the preacher, remember, you're talking about not preaching what we think, what we feel. Right? Right. He said, I think, he said, <laughs> that we need to come up with a conservative organization that promotes black lives matter many people don't don't agree with the black lives matter uh um organization because of its yeah. secular values or liberal values so he said why not start something that's conservative or right-wing that's what he used and 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 i was like are you kidding me what are we talking about here yeah man. seriously this is what you think no what about we preach the gospel what about we preach the word of God? That's our movement. That's what God has called us to do. Incredible. It is. And, and I saw that interview, brother, that you sent me. And, and uh, I, I, I literally, it was everything in me not to, like, you know, pick up my TV and throw it on the floor. Like, it made me so angry. Because even when that preacher uh, was told, uh, you know, you need to start your own movement, what he said in response just blew me away because what he said because he was being politically correct he's a shell right. of himself i mean he's just a shell just like hananiah was called a prophet 
because he was right. one time a prophet. He used to be. Right. And we spoke about that. We spoke about that, Brother Marty, how some of these preachers used to be used of God. And they and yeah. they really took on that on that name of you know man of God or prophet of God or evangelist and, and but they've lost that they're yeah. they're modern day Hananiah they're no longer true prophets of God right yeah they they carry with them the the outward appearance and and a reputation right and that itself is used to deceive because they long ago lost the touch of God. And have no right. light, but but where they were that propelled them into positions of 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 uh, you know being visible in the public square, they've ridden that for years, and now when a crucial moment like in the times of Jeremiah, which Isaiah had the Lord revealed to him a hundred and something years ahead of time, in the times of Jeremiah, Jeremiah knew exactly what was going on, but the reputation of Hananiah, who was the king's counselor, Zedekiah. Uh, you know, propelled him into the public arena precisely when the nation needed a word from God. But he had nothing. It's an incredible, <laughs> I mean, it's just awesome to me how God made these two confront, you know, and, and then what, what, yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry, brother, I, I didn't want to go, no, finish your thought, brother. Okay. No, you know, I keep thinking this, brother. And, and I don't know why, but he keeps bringing us to that confrontation between Hananiah and Jeremiah. It seems to me, in, in my mind, right, that by the time this confrontation happens of Hananiah and Jeremiah and all the false prophets, these men, and before I say this, I understand that God's grace is bigger than anything, but it seems to me that these false prophets had already made up their minds they have already made up their mind what they were going to believe, what they were going to preach. And it seems to me that what was at stake is now the people. They needed to make a a a a, a, a decision, and, and I believe that's where we're at right now. You know, that most people, I think the preachers that you see and that we're seeing that are in this camp preaching something else, saying something different, to me it seems like they've already made up their mind. You know, and so we're trying to reach to those because it's the people that are that are at stake that are lord what what do we believe what 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 are we hearing yes, and so you know I, I, that's what I sense right now that as as we see this in in, in chapter twenty and what we're talking about that people have are gonna have to make a decision because there is a separation going on right now, those that are his and those that are not. Well, and this is this is precisely the point. This is the prophetic point. Again, uh, we have a two national prophets. You have the prophet Jeremiah, which is uh, which is a prophet that's known as a doom and gloomer, right? He's been talking like this for since he was 25 years old, and you know <laughs> now he's in his probably like 50 years old or something at this point. But he's a fully fledged, fully grown prophet, and and he's walked with God for 25, 30 years. And and all he ever preaches, right? Even when he started preaching to begin with, he, he was raised up, and you can read it, those of you listening, in Jeremiah chapter 1. He was raised up in the days of King Josiah, when the nation was having this great outpouring, when the ministries are expanding, and, you know, you have this good king, and they're tearing down idols, and it looked like a revival. <laughs> but it, 
right? And and in this midst of this great celebration, right, God raises up a 25-year-old prophet telling him, whoa, wait a minute, what's actually happening what is see? all going to, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so by the time he shows up what, in this, go ahead, what are you going to say? No, I was just going to say, you know, in the middle of all this revival, you know, God asked him, what do you see? And, and, and Jeremiah says, I see a rod of an almond tree. Something I see correction, right? I see correction. I see correction, right? Yes. Correction yes. And, and judgment, because he said, "I see a seething pot out of the north." He saw a boiling pot of water or oil or whatever it was, and and that was all symbolic about this trouble that was coming out of the north, which was the rise of the global state. That's what he saw: Nebuchadnezzar, a type of the Antichrist, and the coming a global empire. He, he, in his day, he was seeing that small circle, brother. Jer uh, Brother Fernando has been talking about of, of a prophetic circle, a foreshadow, a type of an end time, larger circle that comes to pass, which is, or, or, you know, what goes around comes around, so to speak, history repeats itself, whatever euphemism you want to use, that's how prophetic things come to pass. But when they come to yeah. pass, they come to pass in the fullness in particular time periods throughout history. And in Jeremiah's day, he, right, he saw the coming of, of the Antichrist spirit. And he saw, and he, and he saw the coming of a global state or the global empire of that time, uh, and that's the first thing he saw as a 25-year-old young man in the midst yeah. of a great national and religious spiritual right. awakening. And so he had a Brother he had Martin. a message that was completely contrary, completely contrary right. at that time. Right. And so, right. so my point is this, and I'll let you speak in a second here, but my point is this, is that for, for 30 plus years, he's been consistently warning. And, yes. and, and, and like Isaiah had revealed to him, which we read a hundred and something years before in Isaiah 6, is that, that that kind of preaching was going to work within the generations subsequently that would, that would live and die and live and die up until that time of Jeremiah. It would seem yes. to produce the generation of his wrath, a people who have the moniker of being the people of God, but whose hearts have waxed fat, whose eyes have been closed, and whose ears cannot hear, and whose soul cannot discern the signs of the times. Go ahead, brother. You know, in our days, we had no excuse. I'm speaking about our generation here, because God has sent us prophets. In 1973-74, we had a David Wilkerson who wrote yeah. a book called The Vision, warning us that if you if you listen to it, you can find it, you can buy the book, you can find it on YouTube where it's read to you, and you will see para almost word for word what is taking place here. So mm -hmm. God has sent us his his prophets from afar who have seen this, what where America was heading to. So we also have no excuse, right? In our day, God, you know, has sent us his prophets here and there warning us even from before, even in the 70s, you know. <laughs> yeah, what is that, about almost 40 years after? Look where we're at in America. Yeah. So, almost an entire generation. It's been 40 years, yeah. right? 40 plus yeah. years. Um, it's incredible what you're saying, and, and that's true. And, and, and again, even go further back, you know, go all the way back to just before World War II and the great Senate chaplain uh, Peter Marshall Sr. Peter Marshall, you know, he, yes. Yeah, one, the, one of the greatest prophets that the, the nation of America ever had. Even back then, 
he was preaching, uh, you know, that, that, that America was in danger. And then we went right into World War II. And then you go into the 50s and you have men like uh, Brother Vance Havner, great Baptist preacher. You read some of his writings and it'll, it'll astound you what he saw in the seeds of what was emerging even then. And then you had uh, Brother A.W. Tozer, those of you who would like to read some good books. I mean, get some of Tozer's books. It'll blow you away. The kind of insights these men had decades, decades in, in advance, uh, uh, prophesying of what we now see transpiring in our country. And then, of course, the great uh, Leonard Ravenhill, um, you know, the great evangelist, prophet, apostle, whatever you want to call him, from England, um, who used to take his tent, his gospel tent, with his fellow brothers up and down walking. You know, they they walked. And they they would carry a gospel tent on a cart, and they would come set up this gospel tent from from Shire to Shire across England into Scotland, and and they were just a group of young men who were preaching the gospel just before World War II, calling England to repent or something horrible was going to come. And I've read his books where he talked about the horror of when Hitler's uh, Blitzkrieg came, and they began to bomb London and and the countrysides of England. And, and he talks about uh, weeping and lamenting as God had in advance sent warning to the nation. They never thought that anything like that could happen to the great British empire. And he describes the horror of, of bombing raids and coming out from those bombing shelters in the morning and, and seeing uh, limbs hanging from trees and mothers, wow. you know, clutching their babies under rubble of, of, of things that were blown up. The judgment that came. And and he writes in his writings, uh, and I've heard him talk about this uh, before he passed away. He said that this is the precisely the same kind of feeling and sense by the word of God that he was getting concerning the United States of America. And that if revival didn't come and a true spiritual awakening didn't come to the United States of America, that the same kind of thing that happened to England in World War II would eventually come to our shores, quite possibly. Wow. And that we don't think it could happen. Right. England didn't think it could happen. There was a time where the Union Jack uh, never had the sun set on it, the flag of England. They were so dominant, a global empire. But out of World War II came this expression of a new nation. Right? We came out and became the chief industrial power of the world. And America was blessed by God. And was it too, too far after that that we already began our spiritual decline to where we see us today? And it was the same in Jeremiah's day. There came a generation that did not, did not even understand what was happening to them. And, and it is so – see, this is like the third or fourth broadcast we've been doing on this. But, and we seem to be, you know, like you said, going back and revisiting these things and digging into them. Because they're vital to understand and to get a handle on, uh, one, the, the lessons that we can learn from prophetic history as it pertains to the people of God and nations that claim God as their nation. And what happens to them when they fall away. But also we're plugging in, trying with all our might, by the grace of God we pray, and, and humbly speaking and desiring that God would open the door of understanding for us. To understand that the prophetic scriptures are coming to pass, that we're not running down the street like Chicken Little saying the sky's falling without merit, without basis, 
without a foundational structure that we can point to and say, like Jeremiah did, our conclusions and what we are beginning to see emerge right before our eyes have their basis in the formulation of our concepts and ideas, spiritually speaking, in the very word of God that we're trying to teach to you. We're basically teaching you what we're studying and what we're seeing in the scriptures. And so when you get to a Hananiah and a Jeremiah confrontation, like you were mentioning, Brother Jeremy, what we see there is a prophet, like Brother Fernando was talking about, that, that had a reputation for being a prophet, but was now a shell of himself. And so it's it's not so much that he was trying to look for something to say. It means that his spiritual sense and and the very logic of uh, the, the processing of the logic within the scriptures itself uh, uh, was was flawed because it was absent right. of light and spirit, and and so he could not go to the scriptures because he had no unction from the Holy One, as Jeremiah did, and so he could only speak self delusion, and yet be absolutely convinced it was the Lord. This is frightening. He said, right. "Thus saith the Lord," precisely. And it's really interesting because if you dig deep into it, you begin to see satanic influence at an incredibly high level within the house of God, designed specifically to destroy the people of God. And this is the brilliance of the Spirit of God, which he revealed to Jeremiah. He, remember the incursion of the captivity that removed thousands of people, including the godliest amongst them. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, Ezekiel, Mordecai, the elders, and, and, and many others that went with him, the, the regular run-of-the-mill guys like you and me and their families got taken away. And what seemed to be something that wasn't fully understood and that a captivity was imposed upon their generation, which they, which they were being swayed in multiple directions to try and figure out why has this happened or what's happening, Satan throws into the mix powerful people who have reputations for being oracles of God with satanic messages that they claim to be from God, precisely when the nation needed to hear the exact and precise word of God. There were hundreds of the false, only one of the true, and his name was the prophet Jeremiah. And he and he did it by the word of God. And that is what we're looking at here. That is what's happening right now. That is what's taking place across the landscape of the entire planet. But our focus is on the church here in the United States of America and what we are beginning to quite possibly see emerge in, in the limited understanding that we have is that the pattern is repeating itself not only in its metaphor, but it is also teaching us that it's quite possible, like Brother Fernando said, we have come full circle now and have entered in and have crossed just over into the threshold of the beginning of the unfolding fulfillment of the prophecies that have been in the ancient writings of the prophets of old in the Old Testament and in the holy words of the Lord himself on Matthew 24 and the holy apostles who throughout their letters and epistles warned of these times that we find ourselves in right now. And that's why the apostle Peter said, you go 
when these things begin to happen, you go and you open up the books of the prophets and the Holy Spirit will begin to give you light. Ananiah would be removed, like we said, right? But but because of his false prophecies, he went and broke, he attacked the word of God. And that's what we're expecting. We're expecting that what, what we're having, uh, what we're sharing with you will be attacked. <laughs> It'll be attacked because yeah. because it's completely contrary to what people want to hear, like Brother Jeremy was saying. Any thoughts, brother? Kind of like Eli, isn't it, Brother Marty? You know, at the end of his ministry, Eli, right, the Bible says that his eyes waxed dim. He wasn't able to see properly no more. And and I believe he had gotten, for lack of a better word, not to offend anybody, but he was rotund, you know, and it, <laughs> it, it just, it, it, uh, it, it explains that, you know, to me, those physical, it, those physical deficiencies, explain a spiritual condition of today's you know of, of 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 men of god who god used at at one time in their lives as 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 you said they had become a shell of themselves and they cannot oh, yeah. see they are they are mixed in within this new uh this new generation of preachers of hananias you know because the backing to Hananiah wasn't just from a young, it was from a lot of the elders, right, who could no longer see and perceive. And, yeah. and that's where we're at today. You know, as, as you were saying that, Brother Marty, that's what the Lord brought to my mind was the condition of Eli at the end of his life. Absolutely. And, 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 and again, that's precisely where we are today. It's the same pattern. But see, again, I'm struggling for words here, and I think, you know, we're trying, what we're trying to get to, and, and the direction I feel the Spirit of God is pulling us, is to continue to bear down on this fact that, that there is either, there's, there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer, and that's what it came to in Jeremiah's day. It, it all culminated right here in, in this event we're talking about where it would be determined who had the right word. And even when the right word was revealed, it wasn't understood by those that were still in the establishment or the public arena of what was, what was you know, the, the outward appearance of spirituality. That's the temple and, and, and the city of, uh, of Jerusalem itself, uh, which had uh, someone named Zedekiah ruling on the throne of what was once a great kingdom founded under King David himself of the tribe of Judah. But there was a captivity, see. And after this confrontation, we're talking about, like we pointed out at Infinite of Doubt, uh, Hananiah would suffer loss. He would die. He would die within that same year. And and that's where we've come to, right? You know, Hananiah would be removed from the scene, but understand his ministry and the damage that he he incurred on the nation and its preachers and prophets and priests and people it endured all the way to the end. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> the, the the residue of it, right? right. You know, we've seen the same thing uh, thread its way through the decades. You know, what we're seeing today in the new apostolic reformation, Google it out there for you who don't understand those phrases. 
you know, the hyper charismatic movements, the hill songs of Australia or the Bethels of Redding, California, who have corrupted the church and removed the orthodoxy of the preaching of the word of God and created their own mixture of Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, New Age philosophy, coupled with a little uh, few Jesuses sprinkled in just to legitimize their false doctrines. And they've corrupted the United States church and subsequently the church around the world. And, 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 and so, but the thread of that influence had its origins coming out of Azusa Street in the beginning of the 20th century. And you can Google that for those of you who aren't familiar with that. That was this great outpouring of the Spirit of God in 1906 on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California, led by a preacher by the name of William Seymour, an African-American. Uh, who stuck his head in an old apple cart in a rented barn and began to pray that God would outpour his spirit. And it, be, it his spirit indeed was poured out in the early part of the 20th century. And, 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 and from that point, great technological uh, advancements began to occur on the face of the earth. The gospel began to spread, and the greatest movement and revival and and, uh, and and Pentecostal charismatic churches was born out of that movement, but it, it soon became corrupted. And you began to have charlatans, you know, putting tents across, up across the Mer- America, proclaiming these healings and these, you know, words of knowledge. And it ultimately culminated in a man by the name of William Branham. I don't know if you've ever heard of Branham. He was renowned early on in his ministry for being incredibly insightful in the gifts of the Spirit. They said there were times where he could literally tell a person their address and how many kids they had and where they came from and and then what thus saith the Lord, and he was devastatingly 100% accurate. But he fell away, and he became, uh, you know, a corrupter of the things of God and began to preach, you know, the the manifestation of the sons of God, the the latter-day reign and the latter-day reign movement, which has now morphed itself and flushed itself out like a wave crashing on the shore at, at, at the beach. I mean, it's all come to fruition here in the 21st century in the second decade, and, and it's blossomed into all these corrupted ministers and ministries that have absolutely no light. It's that same kind of sense that we're seeing here that though Hananiah would die as a result, his the influence of his ministry remained and infected everything and every strata and level of ministerial expression up until the very end where judgment would finally fall. And so it's only that tenth, that holy seed, that protected captivity that God was revealing to Isaiah in his day, and subsequently Jeremiah drawing inspiration from those very words in Isaiah 6 that we read earlier, he writes a letter now, the captivity, those that were 800 miles away from Jerusalem. Because after the death of Hananiah, literally it sent shockwaves to the nation, man. Uh, both the, 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 the people that were left in Jerusalem and the captives, which were the protected of the Lord, although they didn't know it, who found themselves in Babylon. They'd been taken to Babylon, like we said, about five years before that. But remember, the, the whole time they were in captivity, the false prophets had been preaching revival. And a return to what had been before the captivity. How many times have you heard during this pandemic, this global reset, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, the people are saying, oh, we just want to get back to the way it used to be. And in one sense, even though they were in captivity, right, 
it really hadn't settled in upon them yet. Just like it hasn't settled in upon our culture, our generation here in this country, amongst the church people I'm talking about, it hasn't really settled upon them yet. Like, like it hadn't in the captivity in Babylon that had been taken captive. That this isn't going to change. This isn't going to stop. And after the death of Hananiah, that that was the burden that came upon uh, Jeremiah. He he crossed over from just merely being the great prophet of the day to also being the great pastor of the day, because he felt the heart of God for those people. They didn't know that it wasn't going to change, that it wasn't going to end, but that it was in fact a new reality. That there had been a shift. That prophetic times were now upon them, and that really their nation was only several years away from its ultimate destruction, and that God had allowed them to be removed in order to protect them. That was the prophet's task, right? And so now the Lord raised up Jeremiah, uh, his public ministry, from one of just simply, and I don't, I don't mean simply as in diminished, but I mean but from one of just being a prophet to also being the, the prophet and pastor-in-chief, man. <laughs> And so that's why he wrote this letter that we started our study with. And, and, and he begins to unfold to them, listen to this, real-time revelation. True understanding of the times. That's what he began to do. He began to unfold real-time revelation. What do you mean by that, Brother Marty? In other words, he brought revelation of the Holy Spirit to the times. Like it says of the sons of Issachar in the Bible, they were men who understood the times and what Israel should do. Jeremiah is functioning under that same spirit of the Holy Spirit. And, and what we're saying is that God, if you will tap into him, that is, spend time with him, call out to him, uh, and, and pray and seek his faith, he will give you real-time revelation. He will bring to light what is actually happening in our time right now. That's what Jeremiah began to do. He sent a letter to that captive bunch and began to reveal to them, wait a minute, this is actually what's happening. And God is saying the same thing to his church right now. Oh, that the Lord would give us men like the great prophet Jeremiah. <laughs> you know? In our times, man, we need men of God like that right yeah. now. You know, we need men of God and women of God and, and, and churches of God and families of God like that right now. Right. It was Jeremiah's task, right? Bring understanding to the times. And and what Jeremiah revealed, what he first began to reveal was what, Brother Jeremy? Chapter 29, verse 4, and we're hurrying. The, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. So this is the first thing that he reveals to them. He's bringing revelation to them, understanding to them. They have been hoping in all this rhetoric, this false declaration, these thus saith the Lord, these dreams, these visions. They had been anchoring themselves on the hope 
that after this five years of already being in captivity for that extended period of time, that what they had been hearing was, ah, it's it's a ruse, you know, it's it's just, you know, the worse it gets, you know, it just shows that God's getting ready to pour out his spirit and you're about to all come back. We're about to have this great, there's going to be great victory over our inner, blah, 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 right? But Jeremiah sends them this letter and he tells the captivity now, it is God, right? Now, why are we bearing down on this point, man? I mean, I keep bearing down. I feel the Spirit of God having us here, man, because because it is probably the hardest thing that they had to come to grips with. That's the first thing that that he kept harping on them about. That was the hardest thing for them to really wrap their head around it, as we've said many times. To understand what it all meant Though it had been prophesied many years before through their holy prophets like Isaiah and Hosea, like we were showing examples earlier, that when it finally had begun to come to pass, they couldn't discern it and they couldn't really accept it at first. But whether they accepted it or not, it had no bearing on the fact that divine prophetic times had arrived in their generation. So whether they would acknowledge or not, it didn't matter. But Jeremiah is trying by the pastor's heart that he had in him, even though he was a prophet, to send them the letter by the direction of the Holy Spirit to bring revelation for their time. And the first thing he wanted them to understand was throw away all your your, your crazy words from God that you've been hearing. And understand Mm -hmm. that what you are up under, it is not Nebuchadnezzar, it's not Jeconiah, it's not Zedekiah, it's not the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Hivites, or whatever you want to call. It's not Pharaoh of Egypt, it's not the Assyrians, it's none of them. It is God that's in control. Right. Go ahead, brother. No, that's right, brother. (laughs) Amen. So so it's very possible. And I want to reiterate this. It is very possible, based on all those things we've been talking about up to this point, that we we are uh, not only witnessing prophetic history repeat itself, but brothers, (laughs) but it's possible that prophecy itself now is beginning to be fulfilled. Not only the prophecies of the ancient prophets, but the prophecies of the Lord himself and the holy apostles, prophecies which have been revealed by them in the first century, which, by the way, uh, were enlarged understandings of the prophets' writings of the Old Testament. That's all they did was bring light to what the Old Testament prophets had said would happen in the end of days. And it's quite possible we're seeing those prophecies fulfilled right now as we record this podcast. We are seeking revelation in real time and what we're being told is this is the hand of the Lord. Remember, again, what Jeremiah first emphasized, that what is happening in his time, and then I believe what is happening in our time, it is the Lord's doing. He has caused us to be carried away of it. There's two camps, remember, that emerged, those that remained in Jerusalem and those that were taken out of it. And what would what was not really fully understood at the time was that the actual taking and removing out of the public square in our time, so to speak, was in effect God protecting a holy remnant. 
from ultimate destruction, which the others would be carried away in as they followed the pied piping prophets of their day over the very precipice and cliff to the rocks below that would end in their judgment and destruction. So what has happened is the Lord's doing, and, 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 and that's what he was revealing to the captivity, right? That they were selected. And those who remained behind, in effect, were they were set to be judged. They, and it's quite possible we are witnessing now the formation of the generation of his wrath. Many things were yet to unfold, right? But as for the captivity, what was happening to them was for their own good. Oh, man. <laughs> so, um... In effect, if we can see it, it was a prophetic foreshadow now for our times, for the body of Christ, who will come to an understanding in our times that they have been selected and divinely preserved and removed from the coming judgment. There was coming a judgment upon that Jerusalem backslidden, corrupted bunch that stayed behind. They, they they continued, and, and we'll, we'll explore some of what actually happened. After Jeremiah sends his letter, God crosses the, the sands, you know, of the Sahara, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's the Sahara, but I mean, he goes and he sends his spirit over there to a young guy by the name of Ezekiel two years mm-hmm. or a year later in the sixth year. You can read it in Ezekiel chapter 8. And he carries him by a lock of his hair to Jerusalem and shows him what actually was going on in the temple and how that they were the generation of his wrath the corruption the sexual corruption the paganistic corruption the drunkenness the 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 prosperity preaching priests and prophets that remained behind and the corrupt political system that's what he revealed to ezekiel and subsequently to the elders that were gathered before him, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that if the Lord allows us to in the coming days. But it's incredible what he showed him because Jeremiah was sending that letter to them a year before telling them, listen, you've actually been removed because so deep and so vile was the corruption of those who walked the streets clothed in their robes with long phylacteries, as Jesus would describe the Pharisees and Sadducees of his day, those who walked the halls of Zedekiah's royal palace like those that walk the halls of the White House today claiming to be representatives of Christianity, but they're corrupt through and through. Even today, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, outing a, a, a famous uh, evangelical leader for, for, for the grossest and perversest kinds of goings on at high levels in this country. High levels, and you think him and his wife are the only one? You've got another thing coming. I could lay you out a list. I've been around this game for quite some time, and I've been allowed to see a lot of things. You tell you something. God is allowing this time in order to rescue his bride. He set you apart. He's actually be allowed this captivity to occur well in advance in our time. What are you talking about, Brother Money? I'm talking about those of you out there who grew dissatisfied with the compromise and the lack of true spiritual depth within the churches that you attended year after year after year. You went from one place to another, from one prayer group to another, from one study hall to another, and you found nothing there. 
Not because you didn't know the Lord, because whenever you sense his presence, your spirit comes alive and you respond to him. What I'm telling you is you have been systematically being removed and the corruption that we have seen at a high level across this country and the Western so-called Christian establishment world has, has caused you to be taken away from it. And what was actually happening was the Spirit of God was beginning to prepare a people to become used to the fact that business like it has always been as usual within the confines of the religious church was going to be altered to such a drastic state that those who would come up under it and it would seem like it happened overnight wouldn't know how to conduct themselves. And so they became prime fodder for the national held in reputation type, uh, you know, spiritual leaders and gurus who have nothing to give them and are actually leading them down the path of, that's ultimately going to lead to their ensnarement and destruction. While he has a whole group of people that have learned through times, first in frustration and maybe not really knowing what was going on, but what they did learn, like Brother Je uh, Fernando talked about yesterday, like Ezekiel said, they learned how to create a sanctuary in their own homes amongst their own families Hallelujah. and in their own private relationship with God. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, the captivity was designed to create a spotless bride Hallelujah. and to absolutely separate them from that corrupted church of their time in Jerusalem, right? The same is beginning today, if you can see it. But it's it, 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 it is it's going to be understood very soon, seriously, amongst those who will see this false public church will take the path of rebellion against what is really happening. They're going to rebel against it. They're already rebelling against it. They're they're suing the government. They're acting like they're prophets they're they're you know they're rolling up and down the streets with their flags and their political ideology and, and trying to morph it into some sort of you know hyper christianized uh, monarchy why because they've got prophets telling them that great revival is coming out of it all you've got q anon for those of you who don't know what that is you know preaching this you know mysterious cult-like ideology with a, a political figurehead as the messiah and then Jesus is all up about that stuff. That's what they tell you. It's a lie. It's false. What's happening is that the is that it's quite possibly that we have reached the last days of what once was a great empire and what once was a holy and righteous people, even as brief as that time was. And in every facet, whether it be judicial, educational, uh, spiritual, or political, all of it has been thoroughly corrupted. But God has removed his people and is removing his people. This captivity yeah. that has begun, that has come upon the planet, is precisely to preserve and protect his children. And he will, just as he did the captivity that was taken out of Jerusalem before it was destroyed. You see, a selected group has and now is being separated from the fall. The correction process for them and for us has begun. I want, I, want, I want to read and close with this for today. Brother Jeremy, would you turn over to Hebrews chapter 12? Because the same thing happened. The very same thing that the Lord Jesus predict, predicted for his generation happened. And it happened again to the Jews. 
of their time when the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. And before that happened, God had the Apostle Paul write something to the people of the captivity of, of their time. Remember, what we're about to read, it was written to the church and to the Jews of that time in A.D. 70. We're fast-forwarding now. Uh, who themselves would experience a, a repeat of history in their time, the history we've been talking about in Jeremiah. Remember, the Lord had warned the church in the Olivet Discourse, right, in, in that futuristic prophecy discourse he gave in Matthew 24. He had warned the church that when you see Jerusalem compassed about, leave the city. It's about to be judged for that generation that would survive into the next phase of history. He warned them, and he called them his elect. Yes. Brother, Brother Jimmy, before you read Hebrews, read Matthew 24 and so that people know what we're talking about. Because he he talked about a group of people at the end of time. He was talking about our time, their time, and then he, like Brother Fernando talks about the full circle, the fruition of it coming full circle. Uh, it would it would it would revolve again and come to rest in a last time generation. Read verse fifteen through uh, twenty two, brother. Matthew twenty four. When, when you. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, who shall read it, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world. To this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. There's always been an elect, especially when prophetic times unfold. There was an elect in Jeremiah's day. That was the captivity removed, though not understood at first, from a Jerusalem and a corrupted nation that was about to be judged completely. The removing of them was their protection. And when you fast forward all those years later, and Jesus being asked what will be the sign of his coming, he talks about first the destruction of, of that temple of that day, and the Jews would be scattered to the four corners of the earth. And he talked about seeing Judea surrounded by the soldiers of Rome. But he says something interesting in verse 15, was what Jer uh, Jeremy just read, Pastor Jeremy just read, that when you see... The, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And then he says this, let him that read understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. See, though I believe there will be this, this image, because the book of the Revelation teaches us that, that an image or images will be made unto this, this megalomaniac antichrist figure that I believe is already in the wings, who will be empowered by a global surveillance state coming out of crisis and calamity, a great reset will emerge wherein there will be one leader broken up into ten regions. I think we're beginning to see the beginnings of this. 
we're well along the way of, of a global surveillance state already. Everything is connected. And just like this global pandemic has emerged, what seems to be apparently overnight, because I tell you what, when you woke up on January 1st, 2020, you guarantee you never thought you'd be where we are right now in August of 2020, just some seven and a half months later, the whole world has changed. And Jesus spoke of a time in the future where this abomination would occur, standing in the holy place. Well, what is the holy place? It's many things we ain't got time to get into and many you know, side studies we could do prophetically speaking as eschatology uh, can be learned and unfolded, fancy word for the study of end time things. But more than that, this, this, this sitting in the temple, Paul, if you want to spiritualize this and take a spiritual tack toward understanding what Jesus quite possibly was saying is that when you see the temple of God, which is the church of the living God, uh, and remove the presence of God from its guiding and dictating force and have it replaced with a, a rebellious, idolatrous spirit, he says, know that the end is, is near. And, and and we see that type and shadow, and I know I'm getting deep here, but but we see that type and shadow in what happened in the days of Jeremiah, in that a captivity or a holy seed was removed, which was predicted by the prophet Isaiah, who had that revealed to him by the Lord in, in Isaiah chapter 6, as we read earlier, chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 in there. And it came to pass that, that a holy seed was removed, and they were, they were, they were taken captive and removed from what was the center of, of the spiritual heart of the nation, the church of that day, and it would be destroyed. And then all those years later in Jesus' time, what would happen was that they would reject the Lord and remove him as the authority of the nation. They rejected their Messiah. They crucified him. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sent his Holy Spirit into what would become first to the Jew and then ultimately under the ministry of the Apostle Paul and the apostles and the church that scattered everywhere, the church that would be birthed amongst the Gentile nations, and they're out of one would be made two, Jew and Gentile. And then the last 2,000 years have witnessed the flourishing of that across the globe and then culminating with Western civilization coming out of the Dark Ages and then finally coming to rest out of World War II as we pass forward through history with the most powerful nation on the face of the earth claiming to be the, the seat of Judeo-Christian expression, only to corrupt itself and reach the point where it is now, where in essence uh, there is an abomination residing within the compromised public expression of what goes under the name of Christianity, but in effect is rotten to its core. God has removed people and is allowing this to come to pass. That's what he told Jeremiah in his times. That's what Jesus was warning about in his times to this end-time generation. But what he says is that he that's on the housetop, don't come down and take anything out of his house. He that is in the field, don't go back and get your clothes. What's he trying to say? What do those two things have in common? The housetop, that's the top of the roof. That's an elevated position where there's nothing obstructing your vision. The same in the field. There's nothing in front of you. You're in a field. You know, he says, don't go back. What he's trying to say is when you begin to see, don't get distracted because you'll lose your vision. And it could very well cost you your life. 
And then he wants us to know the culmination of what this is heading to is what is called the Great Tribulation. But then he gives us the hope there. He talks about the elect. That's what the captivity was. They were the elect. They would come back and, and, and realize a new Jerusalem. Those that were in Judea at the time of the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, he warned them. And you can read church history. They understood it. And when the Romans began to gather around Jerusalem, led by Titus and his army, Vespasian and them, them boys, uh, <laughs> they surrounded Jerusalem. As they were gathering, the Christians remembered what the apostles had taught concerning the words of the Lord, and they left. Just like the Lord said, they came out. And while the city was burnt and destroyed, they were safe, and the church would, would be birthed around the world. And then Jesus says, it will come full circle in the end time. And I'm telling you, I believe by the premise of the word of God, the case we've been laying out for weeks now is that this whole pandemic, this whole reset, we've come up under a captivity, and things are happening at a rate right now that is frankly astounding. And in this country, because God is dealing with this country, you are not hearing in the public square amongst the national uh, prophets and, and, and preachers anything about true heartfelt repentance. Oh, they might call for a day of prayer, <laughs> but our problems are far worse than, than a day of prayer. We need a national day of repentance that lasts until Jesus comes, man. <laughs> yeah but you know what God has his people and that's the letter he sent away and I want to conclude with this because because this is where we are and just like that generation in AD 70 God sent instruction and clarity he brought real revelation to the times the apostle Paul did because what he knew was that the temple that they had gathered in was about to be destroyed and they would be dispersed to the four corners of the world. But he wanted them to understand what seemed to be a horrible destruction of that which had once again reached that prophetic cycle of fulfillment for the generation of his wrath was in actuality, if they would listen, a corrective process that was actually God bringing a people to himself. And that's what's happening right now. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in Hebrews chapter 12? And listen to what the yeah. Apostle Paul says, because it's a word for us right now, if you can see it. Did you read that verse 4 through 11? Ye, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for, they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit 
that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peace, peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Unto them which are exercised thereby. See, what was about to happen was the whole paradigm of their time was about to be shifted. And the destruction of Jerusalem was at hand. All that they had known, their very spiritual identity was about to be removed of them, from them. But to those who understood, those who, who would uh, flee to the mountains of their time, uh, when they saw these things gathering, he said, listen, what has come upon you is in essence God correcting you. He could have left you there in Jerusalem to be destroyed, but instead, whether you realize it or not, by his spirit, he's been bringing you out all along. And now he is trying to reveal to you what is actually taking place. There will be a basket of good things, a basket of bad things. It's already happening. It is my presence that's separating my church. doesn't mean that you're perfect or I'm perfect or anyone's perfect. But what it does mean is he's begun the process, begun the process of correcting us and helping us and, and chastening us and receiving us chipping away all that excess flesh that we've let build up over the years, all the little compromises that we've allowed to, to slowly take root into our lives. He's begun to deal with them, remove them, take them out. He's, he's preparing us so that we might be partakers of his holiness. And, and, and it's because we're headed somewhere. Can you read that to us, uh, Brother Jeremy, in verse 22 and 23? This is where but we're headed. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus mediator of a new covenant and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than of Abel. It is quite possibly that is what is beginning. That we are in the beginning throes of God beginning to separate and conceal his people, especially here in, in this country because we're talking about our own people. What's happening? The captivity then and the captivity now has always been about preparing a true bride. And really tomorrow, tomorrow we'll go further. We'll, we'll, we'll continue to explore and learn the vital information we need to know now more than ever. Not only for our own lives, but for the protection of our families. God is speaking. As it was in the days of Noah. Noah was warned of God. And he moved with great reverence and fear and prepared an ark the saving of his house by which he condemned the world I don't know who it is that we're speaking to but I sense people out there that are listening and at first such a word and some of the words could be very frightening when it begins to dawn on all of us oh my god <laughs> could, could we really be 
at this time? I think we are. I may be wrong, but I don't think so. I've been studying God's word since I was 14 years old, on and off. I've had highs, lows, victories, defeats, utter destruction, and great resurrections. And I've never seen a time like I'm seeing right now. Neither have I ever heard the Spirit as clear as I believe I've been hearing from Him, especially over the last two and a half plus years. And what we're hearing is what we're delivering to you with all our heart because we love you and we believe that we're all in this together. And who you choose and what you choose to listen to is vital. Hearken to the voice of the Spirit because what you're going to hear is Jesus is coming. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Blessed is the man who abideth under the shadow of the Almighty, the psalmist would write. Blessed is the man who runs into the strong tower of the Lord, which is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gather us, O Lord, David would write, under the covert and the shadow of your wings. And there we will find our protection, our hope, and the continuing working of the Spirit in our lives and hearts, so that when he appears, we will not be ashamed. Even this is the grace of God. And the Jerusalem we're headed to, it's not an earthly Jerusalem. It's what the Bible has predicted all along, and the kind of gospel that you don't hear anymore, but that's what it's all about. We're just passing through this world. If we're fortunate, we live to be 70, 80 years old, maybe older, but not very much past that. Uh, and then, the, then what? See, everything we believe is being challenged. The very times themselves are working like, you know, like a refining fire. But God is drawing us to himself. Let us pray that we allow him to do that because he's assembling a glorious church. And when he's done, like he told Jeremiah, they're going to know how to seek me, so they will seek me with all their hearts. We love you, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Brothers, if you have anything else, please uh, close us out. Praise the Lord. I, I believe the Lord has spoken. And uh, nothing to add, but just allow this, this word to settle in your heart and your spirit as the Lord deals with you. We pray you join us tomorrow as we continue in our study on the book of Jeremiah. May God bless you. May God keep you. And keep looking up.